Take your Bibles open to Mark chapter 5. As within the whole Jesus Meets sermon series, kind of doing a mini two-part, as we really began to look at the area of the demonic last week. This week I thought we'd do a little show and tell. I just want to make sure I got everybody's attention. And of course, you know, you would get people's attention pretty quick there. Uh, and we, I introduced... Uh, something to you last week called unconscious selective spiritual attention. It's just what your brain does uh, by ignoring your nose, and uh, it knows it's there, so it just doesn't really pay any attention to it. And uh, we, we had to really kind of get a little bit of a, of a foundation, common, uh, kind of common theology when it comes to the realm of darkness, because people are on such different ends of the spectrum when it comes to the demonic, uh, anywhere from it just doesn't exist, it's for Africa only, to, uh, you know, it's around every bush kind of thing, and, and get somewhat of, a, of a, a place for us to work from. If we're going to minister in the, in the realm of uh, the uh, darkness, you're going to encounter the demonic. And I know this isn't an area everybody's going, well, amen, praise God, hallelujah. Uh, but the, the reality is, is that whether you recognize it or not, you don't have to look very far for the tormented, do you? You really don't. Let's, let's read the scripture and then we'll kind of do a little bit of a backstory with it a little bit. But uh, starting there at the beginning of Mark chapter 5, they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gerasens. And when Jesus had uh, stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar... He ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. The unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down a steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they had came to see Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had been and those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. 
And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. There's an old adage in business that simply says that if you do something right, people will tell their friends. If you do something wrong, they'll tell everybody. The opposite is is true when it comes to Jesus. When Jesus does something and there is a miracle that takes place, everybody gets told. And what you find about this Mark chapter 5 is this Mark chapter 5 is an incredible backdrop. It's It's a template in some respects for us to understand how igniting change really happens. Because what you have here is a guy that is, he's known in the region. Decapolis, by the way, it equals, it means uh, 10 cities. Jesus comes and Jesus delivers this man and he goes everywhere telling everybody. Jesus doesn't argue theology with him. He doesn't try to ignite change by helping, helping overcome wrong thought processes. He only does what he can do, and it becomes this mass marketing campaign. This guy probably, we don't know a lot about him. I mean, he's, we don't even know his name. We just know the name of, the, of the, the demonic there of Legion. But we can, not hard to imagine this guy starting out in a good home. Didn't, wasn't necessarily raised in a place where he was tormented. But along the way, he made a decision. Like so many of us, we make a decision. And he makes a decision that, that feels good to the flesh. And it's a while longer, he comes back to that same decision and makes it again. Because the way evil spirits work is they entice. They, they attempt to entrap and to ultimately control. And so he, he comes back and he's seduced once again. And maybe he's good for a really long time. Maybe, maybe he makes it all the way through, you know, through high school of the day being really good. But he's seduced again and he comes back. But it's just a little bit, it's just a, just a little bit less euphoric than the time before. So he comes back again. And he finds that he's not getting the same dopamine release in his brain that he got the last number of times. And even though he finds himself coming back time and time and time again, knowing that the result will be disappointment, shame, he keeps coming back because he's been enticed. And it's not long before he has no mastery over his life, but he is tormented day and night. He loses his home, loses his family, loses his friends, he loses his decency, he loses his self-control, he loses his peace, he loses his, his purpose for living. Every hope and dream that he had as a young man is gone. He's very well known. He's the guy everybody talks about. 
if you ever went camping and told the scary stories around the campfire, he would have been that guy. Because he was out in the night making noises. He was the guy that they couldn't bind up and keep him from hurting himself and uh, possibly hurting others. And so when mom said, get home before the sun goes down, you don't want to get an interaction with so-and-so, the kids knew who mom was talking about. The enemy had accomplished the enemy's plan. He lived in constant, continual torment. But praise Jesus, there came a missionary named Jesus. And when the missionary meets the maniac, something happens. Because he gets freed. A miracle takes place, and there is no one who doesn't hear about it. Now, we live in an amazing day where there are so many various ways for people to get their media. But this story is not about people being able to explain Jesus. This is about people experiencing Jesus. If you've ever been in a conversation at work or in, in one of your circle of influences and, and you have people who are really quick to debate once saved, always saved, or losing your salvation, or is speaking in tongues for today, or is it for it's not, is it going to be pre, post, mid-tribulation? You get so caught up into all the, the things about Jesus, we forget that we are intended to experience Jesus. And when someone experiences Jesus, they're going to begin to talk about Jesus. And here's the beauty about the experience of Jesus. No one can argue your experience. They can tell you you're crazy. They cannot believe you, but they can't argue your experience. So here's a guy that had an experience, and he becomes this walking, talking marketing machine for Jesus, even though Jesus tells him not to do it. He's filled with excitement. But here's what you find when you, when you understand the context of what Mark is bringing out here in uh, chapter 5. It's because this guy experienced the missionary. It's because this guy experienced the power and the presence of Jesus that he himself became a missionary. Because when you think about igniting change, we say we ignite change in hundreds who will ignite change in thousands. So when you go back and you actually look at uh, Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 4 or chapter 5, you find that there were large crowds that followed Jesus. And they were many of them from the Decapolis. Because he had this one-man marketing machine that told everybody what happened in his life. And then you find a little bit later in Mark chapter 7 that when Jesus is in this area again, that the people of that area bring him a man who is deaf and has a speech impediment. And Jesus does the miraculous. Why? Because there was this one-man marketing machine. 
Do you ever stop and think about your own life and how uh, really there are, there are few, I, I, when I think of me personally, I think that there are, there are very few things that are, I would say, here's a powerful miracle that I just go around telling everybody about. Now, I'm not, I'm not minimizing uh, the enormity and the, the beauty of the regenerated heart through salvation. It's the greatest of all, all miracles, don't get me wrong. But I think sometimes we stop and we go, well, that's not me. And so we, we tend to disqualify ourselves or divorce ourselves from being in a position where the miraculous missionary Jesus can happen through us. Jesus never sinned, but he encounters the most sinful, vile, hurting, tormented person and creates a one-man marketing machine. I can't think of a better story for igniting change. I just got to think that's God's plan. That he does something so powerful, so dramatic, so unique, that it's going to cause all kinds of attention. And you read in the story, it really gets all kinds of attention. And for us, regardless of where you live, regardless of where you work, regardless of where you shop, the tormented is always really close to us. And as we looked last week, there, there are three dynamics where the enemy really begins to move and, and begins to torment people. Of course, principalities, that, that, that has national kind of implications. But uh, make no mistake, there is a principality that wants to torment every person that's a part of this country or part of any country. Now, there are a lot of methods, a lot of manners in which the, the enemy will try to accomplish that. But let me tell you something. If you're living in tormented fear about the things that are coming on our country, you're being influenced by a principality. There are the powers. Those are, Now you talk about torment done on a community level. Here's where you get into the anything from, uh, from poverty to drugs to... to different kinds of bondages that people end up in. Probably the most that we have seen in our interactions not, doesn't necessarily come from principality of powers, but from people, where a person experiences the abuse of someone physically or sexually. They, they hear the words, you're no good, and without even realizing it, they're ended up tormented with a thought process. They're tormented with a, with a mindset that keeps them bound and keeps them from living the kind of purpose that God would have for them. And so for us, as we kind of approach the scripture, I want you to see it from the standpoint of the missionary. And as we look at it, I, I want to get a connect out there really quick based on some of the conversations I had this week when it came to the area of the demonic. Uh, and, it, and it's this, and I think this is a good, healthy belief system that we can connect to. And it's simply this, that freeing the tormented does not require looking for demons. It just requires being led by the Holy Spirit. So as you, as you survey your life, as you survey your circle of influence, and you think about who it is in your life that is tormented, you don't have to look for demons. Are you glad for that? I'm glad for that. We just need to be led by the Spirit. Now understand contextually where Mark is at in chapter 5. You do need to go back to chapter 4. Because Jesus is 
in verse 35, he says this. He says, on that day. Now, the that phrase, on that day, I want you to think about, put that scripture up there, go. On that day, I want you to think about, this is going to be a place of prayer for you and I here in a little bit. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray that there's going to be a day that we can look back and go, oh yeah, on that day. On that day. It's easy to think that Jesus lived his life with a very clear syllabus of what he was supposed to do that particular day. It's easy to think, well, he, he was God, and he just knew he was going to get up, and he was going to do this, and he was going to do that. No, he was led by God's Spirit. There's nothing in Scripture that ever, ever gives us the picture that he knew that he was going to get up on that day and encounter this maniac that had been possessed by a legion of devils. So when evening had come, he said, let's go across to the other side. So he just gets up and he goes. It, it, it is easy in our world to be really led by and to be guided by our daily routines, right? just the way it is. And there are times where the Holy Spirit will want us to be able to divorce ourselves from our routines so that we can be better led by the Spirit. But that really isn't ministering at the speed of life. Do You know, the Spirit has many ways to lead us. So they get in the boat and they head to the other side. And when they get on the shore of the other side, there's this encounter. When Clarissa and I ministered on the Indian Reservation, a lot more demonic activity um, out in the open there than anywhere else that we were uh, ever found ourselves ministering in. But there was one Wednesday night that we go to, we go to church, and it's just a Wednesday just like every other Wednesday. And we had not been on the reservation for a couple months, Service is going on. We're sitting over on this side. And over against the wall on that side, this guy starts convulsing and flopping like a fish out of water. And the missionary, Robert Jimenez, said to me, Rich, take care of that. I had no idea what to do or that I was being led by the Spirit. So as they were literally on their back flopping, I just knelt down. There was no body fluid. Praise Jesus. And said, in the name of Jesus, come out. And they were calm. I didn't go looking for it. I was just going to church. Who goes to church to find a demon? So if, you, if you're here and you think, well, I, I just, I have to have the right circumstances to be led, then you really miss it. Last week, again, I talked about the being aware of the reality. When we were, a couple years back, we were at Myrtle Beach. One of the things that Clarissa really liked to do is to sit on the shore and look for shark's teeth. And I'm telling you, she did a lot. And I got bored really quick. But she was intentionally looking. 
I just made up the mind going, you know, there's shark teeth out here. And if I see one, I see one. If you're going to be led by the Spirit, you really not, the, the Lord's not asking you to sit down and look for every little thing. He's calling us to be aware of a reality that when the moment persists or the moment exists, we're just ready to step and do. In fact, I think about a couple months back in our, in our church offices, the guy's in the bathroom. I walk into the bathroom just to go to the bathroom, and there he's kind of convulsing on the floor in the men's stall room. He had not taken his medication. I didn't know what to do. I am not a doctor. I'm not going to give mouth to mouth. Uh, all I did is I prayed, and it didn't fix him. So I went and called, had him call 911. Being led by the Spirit is really just positioning ourselves at any given moment for God to work and God to do what God desires to do. When I was a kid, in fact, I remember even when I first became a follower of Jesus, my, my parents couldn't understand how a person could come to church and just be satisfied and sit in their own sin. When Jesus gets off the boat, he is immediately, immediately confronted with the demonic. He didn't provoke it. He just was there. And, I, and I've often wondered how we've gotten to the place where our existence in the power of the Spirit invokes no response in the realm of darkness. When you are saying yes to the Lord, and you, you have this, this inner uh, feeling of, of wanting to be led by God's Spirit, just know some things are going to come up. It's going to happen. Well, how do we grow in that? Well, I think there are two areas that I think the Scripture really kind of brings out for us to grow, and it's in the area of desire and discernment. You might go, well, we desire that. I don't desire this. No, we don't desire this. We desire God. And we, we need to desire what God desires. And I want you to think about it from Jesus' perspective here. Jesus went into gentle, uh, Gentileville, went a bunch in, basically in Pigville, and then went into Tombville. All three areas they didn't, he didn't really care to be in. And I would submit to you that for the, Amer the majority of the American church, we are perfectly fine being in our areas of comfortability of relationship, but would not be found outside our normal, uh, our normal circle. Because, you know, they vote differently, they act differently, they look differently, they're just different. But when we grow in what the desire of that is our Heavenly Father, we will grow in our love for people. I do believe that we're coming into a day where the church better learn how to love its enemies. You know, I've pastored long enough to where I've had casual enemies. You've been church long enough, you just find that to be true, right? You have, you have enemies at work. But the fact of the matter is, is that the closer it gets to Jesus' return, there's going to be people that are going to be absolutely positively opposed to anything that is of the Lord. And if our desire is for our own desires and not the Heavenly Father's desire, we won't grow in that place of love. Well, how do you grow in loving? I wish it was as simple as flipping a switch or getting a shot. That I'd be all right with that because I'm okay with needles. 
But it don't work that way. You can't just lower your cheek and say, put it right back there. I'll love everybody in my neighborhood now. No, it doesn't work that way. But what happens is, is you begin to actually pray for them. You lift their name up before the Lord. Lord, I don't even like them, but you love them. I don't get it. Do what you need to do. And what you find is that God begins to put his desire in your heart. He begins to develop something in you that wasn't there before. And now you're willing to step out of your comfort zone. You're willing to step into a place that, well, Christians wouldn't be found. What if somebody sees me there? Or, and you're willing to, to move in that direction. But you also, you, you, then what happens is you begin to be desired to be led by the Lord. Because there is no greater joy now and forevermore than to follow the leading of God's Spirit. I love God stories. There's nothing better than God stories. And the only way to get God stories is to be led by his spirit. And so you grow in it. You say, I'm, I'm going I'm to look for, Lord, these opportunities. What is it that you want me to do? But the scripture brings out a discernment part of it as well. I find it interesting, and I've... I don't have answers here. I'll maybe throw a question out, but uh, some of you that are smarter than me may have the answer. But in between Jesus and the freedom of this tormented guy is the storm on the sea. I really don't know how much the realm of darkness has over the weather. In Texas, you could get convinced that they got more power than you would know. Because, you know, the reality is that the weather here can get quite uh, ferocious. But Jesus was being led to the other side. And he found, he found comfort to be able to go to sleep, but there still was a buffeting. There was this resistance that, that was in the, in the realm of the weather that kept them from seeming to get to the other side. Of course, Jesus, he just, he says to them, where's your faith? In our Americanized Christianity, we live, in a, we live in a world where we think that, boy, if I'm doing the will of God, everything's going good. Not even close. If, if you find yourself, if, if, you, if you really desire what the Lord desires and you find yourself in a difficult place, just start going, okay, Lord, you've got something here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of just press into it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of lean into it. In fact, I, even as we were worshiping, I felt like everybody, not everybody, but a good majority was just kind of standing back today. And I kept saying, Lord, help them to press into it. Help them just lean in a little bit more. You know, when you lean in just a little bit more, you begin to find things begin to happen. And so if you're, if you're in a difficult place, lean in. Okay, Lord, I want what you want. You may not know what he wants. You just, you just say, I want what you want, Lord, whatever that is. I'm going to lean into it. But I think the other dynamic of, of symptoms, uh, or that is discernment here, is symptoms. Because, we, again, we live in a day where we understand a lot about the, the, the brain and the, the mental illness that can take place. I, I find it interesting that Mark, in his writing here, doesn't just say, you know, he meets, meets a demon-possessed man, and boom, he's healed, and he's set free. No, he gives the symptoms of the guy. The guy was a, he was a cutter. Do you know cutting is a very real thing? They say that 80% of those who cut themselves or do uh, really kind of some form of uh, self-hurting, uh, 80% are women, 
teens and those in their early 20s. There are those that will do it because it's, it's experimental. There are those that will do it because it's kind of a thing they can show off about. There's people that do it because there's this shock response that comes from it. There are those that do it because they're rebellious. There are those that are do it because they're doing some form of self-punishment. There are those that do it because they're so tormented, they're just, it just distracts them. Others do it because they are, because they're just coping. There's, there's nothing wrong with looking at the fruit, but don't get caught up in the fruit. Because an apple tree is going to produce apples. And so you go to the root. And so Mark is helping us to understand that there are things that people deal with. And so, and there's not a one, one size fix all. Another story that in our time on the reservation, I had a grandma bring her seven-year-old son, Nico, it's his name to me. And he says, he's got demons every night in his bedroom. Well, my first thought was not to go cast him out of the bedroom. The, the discernment was, was symptoms. Okay, why, why is this kid, you know, why is this kid experiencing demons? And so the question to the grandmother was, okay, are there any feathers or any of the bones in the room? Because in that culture, if you go to the medicine man, he's going to deal with bones. He's going to deal with, with uh, feathers. And if you bring that into the home, if you bring that thing, now you now have an open door for the enemy to work. But it's really interesting how the Lord really brought Nico to authentic and true uh, healing. In fact, uh, his teacher, a number of years later, after I told the story, followed up and uh, learned the story, uh, is the Lord did something really interesting. He said, told me to tell the grandmother, I just want you to personalize and read Psalm 91 over him every night before he goes to bed. And so that's what she did. She opened Psalm 91, she personalized it, she read it over. Because ultimately, when it comes to that place of freedom, there isn't a one-size-fits-all. But know that in this area of discernment that you're going to grow, and you're going you're to find this, this just a reality, people care more about stuff than people. Now, I want you to think about this. In this story, here you have Jesus takes a man that is unable to be shackled, cutting himself, living in the tombs, sets him free. He's sitting in his right mind. And do you think that the herdsmen ran back to the town and went, man, you should see this guy? No. They went back and said, 2,000 pigs just went into the sea. It was, the, it was the sensational part of it that they just had to get out there. And for the people of the town, what you find is what was more important was the 2,000 pigs than the soul of one man. That is common everywhere. That's in your world. That's in my world. People are more concerned with the stuff than with the people. And here's the funny thing about that. The townspeople in their own right, they were also tormented. They were tormented because they were controlled by their stuff rather than Jesus. So for us, so let's kind of hit the go piece here and, and talk, what do we do with this? Well, uh, it's actually pretty simple. Uh, you've got to do, there's got to be a determination. We, we have to, each of us regularly 
need to decide that we're going to be people who ignite change. And I think the Lord is asking many of you today, are you willing to ignite change? Are you willing to step into an area that is uncomfortable and unknown to you so that he can get one mass marketer? Now, I would like to say that's an easy yes. It's a great yes. The result is awesome. But we have to say, okay, wait a minute. Am I going to determine to trust him and his plan for my life, or am I going to determine to trust my own? In that moment, listen, whether it's small or large, you just say, Lord, I am, I'm saying yes to your way. I'm saying yes to your plan. Just know the Lord will make sure that you're being led by him. He's really good at it. He's a lot better than you. He's a lot better than me. He's just really good at leading his people into areas of victory. And here's what will happen. You're going to have an encounter that is going to be profound in its miracle. And here's the beauty of it. Jesus is not asking you to become their best friend. I didn't, you know, all of you just look back at me. Because listen, here's one thing I've, I've learned about Texas. Can I go here and pastor next Sunday? Texans are so stinking friendly. But they're not always real good friends. Because it's about that deep. Now, since we've been here long enough, you've accepted me enough as Texans where I got great friends. But the fact is, is this guy wanted to go with Jesus. He wanted to hang out with Jesus, and Jesus didn't want him to. Yeah, reconcile that in your theology, would you? Jesus said, no, you go and you tell everybody all the wonderful things that the Lord has done for you. Jesus just set him on a path on his own. Get this, there are people in our circles that are intended for us to disciple and to grow, but it is not everybody. And when God uses you powerfully, I guarantee you this is going to happen. People are going to want to cling to you, but that doesn't mean you need to cling to them. Send them on their way. God is much better at dealing with people than we are dealing with people. And so he says, just go. And so here you have in Scripture, really, the first missionary to the Gentiles. It wasn't Paul. It was this guy. Because Jesus said, no, you go just tell everything that God's done for you. And everywhere he went, he said, this is what God has done. He didn't have to say, this is who I am. They knew who he was. I think if, if Hollywood was to redo it, they would say he went from being, I am, uh, I am legion to I am legend. Because he went around and he authentically ignited change. Why? Because he met a missionary. Someone who was willing to desire what our God desires. And so, Lord, uh, you knew that you would be challenging us to make that commitment. And, Lord, I pray that every person would make the choice to say yes to your plan and purpose. Lord, we live in a world full of tormented people at so many different varying levels. 
And Lord, we want to be led by your spirit. In fact, just tell the Lord that. Lord, I want to be led by your spirit. Lord, we don't claim the know-how. We don't, we don't have the ABCs and the XYZs. We just want to say yes. Yes, our response to you this morning is yes. Lord, I pray that you will build into us the things that you desire. Uh, so that, Lord, we might literally be able to differentiate, that we would be able to have a, a, a distinction to the things that you are calling us to. Um, so that, Lord, ultimately, Lord, we might be a people that ignites change. Uh, Lord, I believe that every person in this room, you have ordained uh, for them to encounter someone that will become a one-man marketing for the power and the saving power of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you will guide us there and that you will lead us there as we minister at the speed of life and minister to the tormented in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.